You are listening to the Entrepreneurial Sales Mastery Podcast, Episode 7. Today, we're going to discuss three easy ways you can master your own self-talk. Let's get started. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Sales Mastery Podcast with your host, Jeff Charles. This is the podcast where anyone can learn how to sell. Whether you're a seasoned business owner or a brand new entrepreneur, the Entrepreneurial Sales Mastery Podcast will teach you how to grow your business by selling the right way. Are you ready to start closing more deals? Let's get started. Hello, 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 everybody. Jeff Charles, your entrepreneurial sales guide here. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Sales Mastery Podcast. This is the podcast that is designed for entrepreneurs who want to become better salespeople. If this is your first time listening, I thank you so much for coming. I believe entrepreneurship is incredibly important, and I believe that anybody who is starting a business deserves a fair chance to grow their business. The lessons taught in this podcast will make it easier for you to close more deals and move more people to action. So welcome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher or on your favorite RSS feed. I would also, pre- I would also appreciate any ratings or reviews that you can give me. Now, let's get started. Today, we're going to talk about self-talk. We're going to talk about the ways that you talk to yourself throughout your day, the things that you think, your, your thought life, things like that. Now, at first, you may be thinking, what the heck does this have to do with sales? You're going to find out it has a lot to do with sales. As a matter of fact, many of the episodes that I create for this podcast may not relate to sales directly, as in it may not talk about actual sales techniques to persuade somebody else to become a customer. Most of the episodes will probably be on those types of subjects. But there's another aspect to sales and to persuasion and into developing relationships. There are other components that figure into persuasion, influence, uh, building relationships, things like that. And they don't always relate to actual techniques that you use when you're in your conversations. Some do and some don't. But one of the other aspects that I like to talk about is mental toughness, having confidence, being grateful, having a sense of purpose in what you do. All of these things are important when it comes to staying motivated. And it's also very important when it comes to selling with conviction. It's also important for many other reasons as well. I could spend a whole episode just talking about why these things are important, but this is something that will be unpacked in later episodes. So while it may not seem like it relates directly to the art of influence, it really does. For instance, we're going to talk about self-talk today, the way that you talk to yourself. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Because how often have you talked yourself into failing? How many times have you talked yourself into succeeding? This is applicable when it comes to sales, because if you don't have the confidence that you need in order to persuade somebody else to become a client, you're not going to be able to close deals. If you don't believe in yourself and in what you're doing, why should your prospects? 
The good thing about this topic is that it doesn't just apply to sales. This is something that's going to impact your life in other ways as well. And that's another thing that I like about the subject of mental toughness or making sure that you're healthy mentally. It doesn't just apply to sales. It applies to other aspects of your life too. And as I continue to learn these things and as I continue to develop in these areas, I find myself performing better. I find myself being happier. And with this subject in particular, if you implement the tips that are given here, you're going to discover that it's becoming easier to motivate yourself. You're going to see that it's easier for you to, to take more control of your conversations with your customers and with your prospects. You're going to see that it's easier to maintain the level of confidence that you need to perform the way that you want to perform. So going back to the question that I asked, how often have you talked yourself into failing? If you're like most people, you've probably done it quite a bit, and you may not even know that you're doing it. If you think about it, you go through your normal life, and you don't always think about your thoughts. You don't think about the things that you tell yourself. You don't always pay attention to the messages that you send to yourself. So you go through your normal days, you do your work, you manage your relationships, and you're always trying to be as productive as possible. These are the things that your mind is on and you have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of thoughts that go in and out of your mind each second of each day. Or at least it seems that way. <laughs> and whether you realize it or not, you're always talking to yourself. Even if you're not doing it verbally, you are doing it in your head. And this can either be very useful or it can be very not useful. I know that wasn't grammatically correct, but I don't care. <laughs> it's something that we have to be more mindful of as we go through our, our everyday lives. Now, suppose you were able to master these thoughts. What if you were able to gain control over these thoughts and bend them to suit your purposes? What if you can make your self-talk work for you rather than against you? How much more effective would you be? How much more confident would you be? How much easier would it be to persuade others to do what you want? In this episode, we're going to talk about what self-talk is. We're going to talk a little bit about how it can sometimes be dangerous. We're going to talk a little bit about the benefits of changing the way that you talk to yourself. And I'm going to give you three easy tips that will help you master your self-talk. And as you go through this episode, as you're listening right now, and as you're digesting this, you're going to discover areas where you may have been going wrong with the way that you talk to yourself. But you're also going to learn ways that you can kind of redefine those thoughts. You're going to learn how to, how to implant more positive thoughts into your mind to provide that balance. You're never going to get rid of negative thoughts. They do serve a purpose. But the issue isn't getting rid of all of your negative thoughts. The issue is giving yourself more positive thoughts and redefining your negative thoughts in a way that becomes useful to you. And I'll explain that a little bit more a little bit later in this episode. But I want you to notice the ways, or I want you to notice the impact that your self-talk has on your everyday life. So first we're going to talk about what self-talk is. This isn't complicated. It's really the way that you talk to yourself. Again, you might do this verbally. You might do this non-verbally. It might just be your thought life. 
but it's the things that we say to ourselves. For instance, here's a couple examples. You're going into a meeting. In your mind, you might be thinking, this meeting is going to suck. There's just going to be a lot of criticism. It's going to be boring. It's not going to be productive. And I don't want to do it. Or let's say you're going into a sales call with a prospect that you're not quite sure about. You might think certain things like, I don't know if this guy really needs what I'm selling. I'm not sure if this prospect really wants what I have. I, I'm going to have such a hard time convincing this person to see the benefit of what I'm offering. Those are two different scenarios. And if you're like most other people, if you're like me, these thoughts have gone through your mind and you don't even think about it. But these aren't necessarily the most useful thoughts you can have. And later we're going to talk about the difference between useful thoughts and non-useful thoughts. But for now, I'm just giving you an example of what self-talk is and how it manifests in your normal everyday life. Now, now why it can be dangerous? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? If you, continue, if you continually bombard yourself with negative self-talk and negative thoughts, that eventually is going to work out into the way you perform and into the way that you approach a situation. If you're always thinking that meetings are going to be unproductive or they're going to be boring, then sure enough, that is exactly what is going to happen when you get into that meeting. We've all heard of self-fulfilling prophecy. When you convince yourself of a certain fact, and I'm putting fact in quotation marks, when you convince yourself of a certain fact, you end up acting that out in real life. So let's say you're in a wrestling match and you've already convinced yourself that you're going to lose. Well, you're going to go out there and lose. It's not very likely that you're going to win that match. The same goes for any other area of our life. This is why negative self-talk can be so dangerous, because you will end up acting out exactly what you say to yourself. But the opposite is also true. If your self-talk tends to be more positive, if you're looking forward to things rather than dreading them, then you will act that out as well. If you're going into a sales call and you know it might be a little bit difficult, you might say something like, you know what, this might be a little bit difficult, but I know exactly what this person needs. And when I sit down with them, I'm going to explain to them effectively why they need what I have to offer. That's a lot different from convincing yourself that it's just going to be hard and you're not going to make the sale. Now, does that automatically guarantee that you'll win the sale? No, but the issue isn't whether or not it guarantees that you'll win the sale. The issue is maximizing your chances of winning that sale. If you allow yourself to speak negative to yourself, you are decreasing your chances of getting that sale. If you don't think you can do it, you're right. If you think that you can do it, you're right. The idea is to put yourself in the best position possible to do what it is that you want to do. And that is why it's important to change your self-talk into one that is more useful. Right now, I'm going to get into the three important tips that can help you change the way you talk to yourself. I'm going to talk about redefining your negative thoughts in order to make them work for you rather than against you. I'm going to talk about how to implant more positive thoughts into your daily routine. I'm going to talk also about the importance of relationships and having relationships that are conducive to having a positive self-talk. 
when you start to, to think more about these tips, when, as you start to digest them mentally and start to put them into action, you're going to see the effect that it has on your life. You're going to see how much easier it is to control your thought life. And from that, you're going to discover the positive ways it can impact your life and the people around you. And you're going to see how much of a difference it's going to make in your sales efforts. So tip number one, you're going to want to redefine your negative thoughts. Now notice I didn't say get rid of your negative thoughts. Like I said earlier, the issue isn't eliminating negative thoughts. They're always going to be there. The issue is to turn those negative thoughts into something that could help you, or at the very least, not do any harm. Now, a little while ago, I read an article by somebody named um, Bethany Roslett on tinybuddha.com. I'll put the link to it in the show notes, but it's a really great article. You should definitely check it out uh, when you get a chance. And she talks about how she was able to learn from her negative thoughts. And she mentions that she started to redefine thoughts in general. And she even outlined a process that you can go through in order to take her negative thoughts and turn them into positive thoughts. So the first thing that she did was that she redefined thoughts in general. So rather than saying a thought is good or bad, she began defining them differently. A thought wasn't necessarily good. A thought wasn't necessarily bad. It was either useful or it was not useful. I'll say that again. A thought was either useful or not useful. And the objective was to maximize her useful thoughts and minimize the non-useful thoughts. Now, what's the difference? Useful thoughts are thoughts that empower you to work towards your goals. They're the type of thoughts that push you to succeed. They serve as motivators. They drive you towards your desired outcome. They inspire you to succeed. They allow you to create solutions to problems. They make you feel more confident. On the other hand, non-useful thoughts are the opposite. Non-useful thoughts impede your progress. They get in the way of you accomplishing what you're setting out to accomplish. They are obstacles. They paralyze you. They creep into your mind and they suck away at your self-confidence. The useful thought, going back to the example earlier, is I'm going to win this sale. I've had great conversations with this prospect and I feel really good about it and I know he's going to close. Non-useful thought would be, yeah, we've had some okay conversations, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him to see the value in what I offer. Easy, right? I mean, it's pretty easy to tell the difference, isn't it? Now, throughout her transformation, the author of this article learned what I said before. You can't eliminate all non-useful thoughts, but you can turn them into useful thoughts. And she gave a seven-step process on how you can turn your non-useful thoughts into useful thoughts. So step one was to observe and accept your emotions without judging them. If you're feeling scared, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling upset, if you're feeling despair, you observe the emotional state and you accept it for what it is. It doesn't mean you have to like it, but you're just accepting the fact that you feel this way and you're not judging it. Like, I feel sad today. And that's it. It's just a, it's more of a factual statement. Step two would be to identify the thoughts that are causing 
the emotion. For instance, if you're afraid, figure out the thoughts that you're thinking that are making you feel afraid. Step three, after you have identified some of these thoughts, you want to drill down further. So you want to find out why these thoughts are making you afraid. You want to find out why you're even having these thoughts in the first place. And this is an area where you have to be ruthless. You have to keep asking why and why and why, almost like a curious five-year-old. You want to understand this at the most granular level as you can, at the most detailed, raw level as you can. You may not be able to do this for every single thought, but the issue isn't to break it down to the granular level on every single thought. You just want to break it down as far as you can. So when you get to that point with each thought, you go to step four. And, and step four deals with the evidence. You want to examine the evidence. You almost want to put these thoughts on trial as a prosecutor. See, here's the thing. When, when you have certain thoughts, your mind will will create evidence or it will gather evidence that basically proves that the thought that you have is true. Now, the evidence can be almost anything. It can be an event that occurred. It can be an experience that you had. It could be something that somebody said to you or something that you witnessed, something that you read in the newspaper, something that you saw on the news. It can be almost anything. These are points of evidence that bear out the thought that, that is causing the emotion that is not useful. So you want to look at the evidence. Step five is after looking at the evidence that causes the thought, that causes your emotion, you want to see if there's any other alternate explanations. If you uh, know anything about like criminal law and trials and things like that, which I don't, I'm not an attorney, but I do read a lot of Michael Connelly novels like The Lincoln Lawyer and things like that, and I think they're awesome. So <laughs> one of the things that I've read is that when your defense attorney, the prosecution lays out their case, they provide their evidence, the defense attorney looks at the evidence and sees if there's an, another viable alternative theory that can explain why that evidence was there. Because if he can, then he can put that shadow of a doubt in the mind of the jury. You want to do the same thing here. So let's say you are afraid to go on to the sales call because you're not confident in your ability to present the right solution. You don't think that you're persuasive enough. Maybe you know that you're good at introducing yourself. Maybe you know that you're good at asking great questions, but you're not really confident about your ability to present a solution. So you're afraid because of these thoughts. The thought is that you're not good at presenting the solution. And after you drill that down, you might find the evidence that your mind has gathered. Maybe there was a time where you botched a presentation. Or maybe you didn't botch the presentation, but you had a few people that didn't buy. Maybe you had a little a, a sales slump. Or maybe somebody else told you that you don't present well. All of these are pieces of evidence that your mind will gather that will make you believe a certain belief. So when you examine this evidence, you want to find out if there's any viable alternative theory at all. It doesn't have to be hugely compelling. But for instance, if I gave a bad presentation last week and I'm let, letting myself think that that makes me a bad presenter, well, another theory could be that last week I just wasn't feeling good. Maybe I was really tired. 
and it affected the way I presented in that moment only. Doesn't mean it's going to carry on to something else, right? Maybe I presented perfectly, and it just fell flat anyway. I've been in sales for over a decade, and I know that happens. There are plenty of alternate theories, and actually the more alternate theories you can come up with, the better, because the more that you come up with, the less credible the negative evidence will seem. What I mean is that the more alternate theories I come up with, the less likely it is that the one that I held on to before is actually true, because there's so many other alternatives that could be equally as true. So when you have figured out alternate theories, gather some evidence that prove those. So if you have, let's just say you have just one alternate theory, well, now you want to think of evidence that supports that. Again, it doesn't have to be extensive. I mean, you don't have to get like a mountain of evidence here. You're not literally putting yourself on trial here. You're just trying to see if there's another viable alternative and gathering evidence for that viable alternative. This doesn't have to be complicated, guys. I mean, it, it may sound a little bit more complex than it actually is. But all you're doing is saying, okay, this happened. I had a bad presentation. It's making me afraid because I think that I'm not a good presenter. What other explanations could there be for that presentation not going the way I want it to? Then I think of some different explanations. I gather evidence for those explanations. And then I move on. Step seven is to repeat that process. You're not going to just do this once. You're going to want to do this for each negative thought that is causing you to think in a way that is not useful. This sounds like it's a long process, but it's really not if you think about it, especially when you get used to doing it. You'll end up doing this automatically. And in a sense, some of you might already be doing some variation of this. You just may not be doing it on purpose in a deliberate fashion. But when you're doing it deliberately, you do it more effectively. So the key takeaway from tip one, which I know that was pretty long, but it's important. You want to learn how to redefine your thoughts. You want to hold on to the thoughts that are useful. And you want to go through that seven-step process of turning a non-useful thought into a useful thought. You want to put non-useful thoughts on trial. And you want to defend yourself against the non-useful thoughts and think of alternate theories that can turn those non-useful thoughts into ones that are actually useful. Make sense? Awesome. Tip two deals with affirmations. Now, this is a process where you affirm yourself and you take the time to do this at least once a day. You speak out affirmations. You can find a lot of great affirmations online. You can make your own. In religion, this tends to be something that's pretty prevalent nowadays. It doesn't have to be a religious thing, but if so, that's fine too. There is a spiritual aspect to this. But transforming your self-talk means that you have to take a proactive approach to talking to yourself in a way that is useful and beneficial to you. Now, affirmations, if you haven't heard of this, affirmations are positive phrases that you say to yourself in order to maintain a state of mind that is useful. So you might take some time in the morning and maybe you say five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten affirmations. You might say things like, I am becoming more confident. I am getting better at influencing others. I'm getting better at playing basketball. I'm getting along better with my relatives. The relationships at work are getting so much better. My relationship with my wife or with my husband is getting better each day. Now, I know this sounds kind of cheesy, doesn't it? I know. I know it does. I love affirmations, and I still think that they're, they're kind of cheesy. But they work. They've been shown to work. When you talk to yourself in this way, you are training your mind to think a certain way. 
and then that self-fulfilling prophecy comes into play. Huh, I just rhyme, you know, I just had a really good rhyme there, and I wasn't trying to rhyme, but I'm going to stay with that. <laughs> Affirmations get you to think in a certain way, a positive way. And this is something that you play out in your everyday life. So what I would encourage you to do is take some time to write down some affirmations and say them out loud. Don't do it in your head. Say it out loud verbally the way I'm talking to you. As a matter of fact, do it right now. I'm watching you. I'm listening. So you better be doing it. When you do this daily, at first you, you might notice a difference. You might not, but that's okay. When you do it, it's the consistency that's the key. The issue isn't feeling the warm, fuzzy feeling right away. The issue is building up to that consistently on an everyday basis. And when you do that, you will start acting this out on an everyday basis. It's just the way our minds work. It's who we are as humans. So I would encourage you, look up some affirmations online and say them to yourself every day. The last thing I'm going to talk about, the last tip, are your relationships. And tip number three deals with your relationships. And I don't even need to tell you that this is important, do I? Why is this important? Because part of your self-talk is going to mirror what others are saying about you as well. The people that you surround yourself with have a huge influence on you, whether you want them to or not. These can be your friends, people at work, family, whatever. It doesn't matter. The people that are around you the most are going to have the highest level of influence on you, which is why you have to be very careful about who you allow to be around you on a consistent basis. If you have coworkers at work that are always negative, always tearing people down, whether it's you or somebody else, people who are tearing themselves down, people who are always speaking negative, it's going to have an impact on you. No matter how hard you try to fight it, it's going to influence the way you think too. I've seen this happen so many times. I've seen people who were generally positive people become bitter because they're around one or two other people who are just bitter all the time. Don't let that happen to you. It doesn't mean that you never interact with people who are negative. You can't really avoid that, especially at work or, you know, in other areas of life. Those people are going to be there. The issue isn't whether or not you will have to interact with people like that. The issue is who you're going to allow into your inner circle. Who are you going to allow to speak into your life? Who are you going to allow to speak into your mind? That's what you need to focus on because that is something that you do have control over. If there's people at work who are always putting you down or always putting themselves down or who are always speaking negative, try to avoid them as much as you can. Only deal with them when you have to. If there's family members that are always around you and always saying things that are negative, try to limit that time as much as you can because it's going to hurt you. Instead, seek out people who are going to be positive. It doesn't have to mean it doesn't mean that you have to surround yourself with yes men or yes women. People who are going to be fake about what they're saying to you. You do want people in your life who are going to tell you like it is, but at the same time, these need to be people who are going to speak life into you. People who are going to inspire you, who are going to push you, who are going to motivate you when you don't feel like going anymore. Those are the people that you want to be around the most. Does that make sense? Just to recap, the three tips here are to redefine your negative thoughts. Embrace more useful thoughts and turn your non-useful thoughts into useful thoughts. Using the seven-step process that I outlined earlier. 
Number two is use affirmations. Be intentional about speaking life to yourself proactively, out loud, every day. Remember, I'm listening. Okay, not really, but you can pretend like I am. Number three, be choosy about your relationships. Make sure you're careful about who you allow into your inner circle. I'm going to give you a bonus tip, and this one will be really quick. One of the ways that you can improve your self-talk is to actually focus on the things that you do well or that you've done right. Um, I've actually created a tool for this, and it's called the Five Things I Did Right Today Checklist. And it isn't fancy. It's just a list that you can use to write down five things at the end. Of, at, you do this at the end of the day. You write down five things that you did right that day. You can say them out loud. You can write them down and keep them with you. You can put them on your desk. You can even make a journal out of it if, if you want. But it's the five things that you did right today that you're going to write down. You can get that at my website. That's www.artisanalmedia.com slash self-talk. That's www.artisanalmedia.com slash self-talk. That link is also going to be in the show notes. But I would encourage you to stop by, download that, and you'll see the difference that it makes. Because not only are you doing an affirmation, it's an affirmation that you have actually put into action. And with that, that is the end of the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you go out and implement some of the tips in this article. I know I'm continuing to get better at it myself. I would love to hear any feedback that you have on this. But until then, thank you for listening and keep moving forward.